right, this is Mark Paradis, and this is the Sacred Vortex Mystery School podcast. Um, and this is October 28th, Monday, and it's a new moon. So happy new moon, everybody. Um, I'm really enjoying doing these uh, podcast episodes on the new moon and the full moon every month. Um, I'm really enjoying it because it's, uh, it's kind of nice to stay aligned to the lunar cycles. And, and that's why I wanted to, uh, to do it like this, to schedule it like this. So you get a little kind of email reminder or a little notification if you're signed up for the, if you're subscribed to this podcast um, on Apple Podcasts, you'll get a little notification when it comes out. And then it's just a little reminder that it's the full moon and the new moon and you can kind of connect to the lunar cycle. And, you know, as usual, the new moon is um, always a really good time to um, start fresh, you know, and starting fresh could mean letting go of things that don't serve you anymore, you know, saying no to something, knowing that you're creating space to say yes to something else. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's really cool. There's not enough of that going on and, and we can't do that enough. So I just wanted to create the space for that. So um, actually, just before we get into today's topic, I'd like to invite you to just take a moment to just tune in for a second, just, you know, close your eyes if you can, if you can't, that's cool, I know some of you listen to this while you're driving, or you're chopping carrots, in that case, don't close your eyes, but if you can, do close your eyes, um, and in any case, just take a second to connect to a different space, just knowing that we're letting go of you know, stepping out of the regular space that we're in on a day-to-day -day basis and stepping into something new, a new kind of energy that we're sharing here today. So just kind of making space for that, that we're going to be together stepping into a new space with a different energy, with different intentions, potentially with a different perspective from that that we're in on a day-to-day -day basis. And even if you are chopping carrots or driving home or whatever, just bring your awareness to a part of your body. If you're driving the car, it could be the fingers pressing into the wheel or the feet on the flooring of the car or on the pedals. Just bringing your awareness to point in your body and dropping out of the cognitive mind for a second and those of us who can just perhaps bringing your awareness down to the diaphragm perhaps bringing the hands there and just setting the intention that we're ready and willing to let go of something that doesn't serve us anymore to make space for what is waiting to be received by us. That every time we say no to something, no thank you, we're saying yes please to what it is we really want, what it is that's really waiting to find us. So just setting that tiny little minuscule intention here on this new moon day, and just releasing an audible sigh. <laughs> A 
and feeling the frequency of that sound move through your body, through the field around you. All right, in Lakesh Alakin, let's get started. Um, so today's topic is our healing confessions. And um, as usual, I'm really excited about this topic. Um, so I'll just dive right into it. You know, if you've been, you know, listening to my content, if you've been participating at my workshops, if you've seen what I've been doing, especially um, there was a workshop series that I co-hosted with a fabulous woman called uh, Reverend Goddess Charmaine called um, Energy, Sex and Money, which we co-hosted last year as a series, workshop, online workshop series. And, you know, one of the things that people really noticed when we did that workshop series was people saying, wow, you know, you really have no trouble sharing the truth about yourself. Like you really have no trouble just being blunt and sharing things about yourself that could be quite embarrassing or things that could be quite shameful and that other people might not be able to, to share so easily. And, and people usually say to me, well, like, how do you do that? Like, first of all, how, how, do, you, how do you do that? How do you, you know, how do you get the freedom or the courage to do that? Or, or you know, um, and, and why would you go to all that effort? You know, some people ask, why would, you, why would you do that? Isn't it just easier to just forget or isn't it easier to just put it away? And, you know, I have just one answer for those questions. And the answer is this. It is that ever since I've been 100% truthful with myself, or as truthful as I can be with myself and with others around me, the benefits I get out of my life are exponential. There's a direct correlation between the ability I have to be 100% true to myself to be 100% honest with myself about shit I don't want to see, and to be honest with others about shit I don't want to see, just direct correlation between that and the ability I've had to create the life that I want. And that's the thing, because these people who ask me that, who say, wow, you know, you're really brave, or wow, how could you do that, or why would you do that, you know, those are the same people who say to me things like, oh, wow, you know, you really look like you've got everything sorted. I'd, I'd really love to, you know, be in a similar place to you. And, and gosh, you know, it looks like everything's always so working, working so well for you. And it's like, well, I've always said, and I really strongly believe this, that, you know, I've been able to drastically improve my life, drastically improve it just by really being honest with myself and by really be willing to look at the darkness that I've been avoiding for so long and that I think is so easy for us to avoid. And by no means do I think I'm perfect or amazing or I'm the only one that's doing this. Not at all. I mean, I'm just, I'm just sharing my truth. But a lot of people are surprised at the level of which I'm, I'm able to do this. I mean, in the past, I've, I, you may have seen, I talked about times that I was facing bankruptcy, that I had 300,000 pounds worth of debt. I've talked about times that I lost everything, times that I cheated, times that I've, you know, uh, addictions, uh, lying patterns, all these things. And if you're starting to find this really interesting, maybe you should have a look at my, <laughs> my previous content because there's loads of juicy stuff there. It's like a, a pile of confessions. But I just... Um, it's like ain't nobody got time for that to ain't nobody got time for for hiding these things um and what i've come to realize is yeah is that the more i face 
the things that I don't think I want to face or that are harder to face, the more my life expands and improves. And what I, what I mean when I say my life expands and improves um, is that I find myself feeling more at peace with myself, with others. I find myself uh, enjoying life a lot more. I find myself attracting money, opportunities, abundance, feeling like I'm on purpose, attracting love, um, and really being in a, in a fantastic place. And, it's, and you know, I'm sure there are plenty of ways of reaching that state. But for me, this is, this is one of the ways, or the, you know, one of the most potent ways that I've been able to do it. So that's why it feels so important for me to, to share this with you. Um, and I really think that it's something that I've, um, that I've benefited a lot from developing because, you know, for, and I've said this before in, in previous content, but for the first 30 years of my life, I lied massively, like massively. And uh, for, I, I lied about ridiculous things. I lied about silly things. Um, and, and I lied about all those things because I couldn't face myself and because I didn't want to be who I was. And, um, and it was in, 19, uh, in 2010, the year that I turned 30, when I had a massive breakthrough, that I just realized at that point that it wasn't serving me. And I started to explore, you know, to play with and experiment with playing, the, you know, the truth um, and being in the truth and being with the truth. And when I realized how quickly things started to unlock for me in that place, I realized there was no going back, that there was no going back to me sticking the, my head in the sand, that there was no going back to me um, lying to myself and lying to other people. That just wasn't possible anymore. That, that wasn't an option anymore. And so all of a sudden, I went from really lying about possibly absolutely everything to always thinking, how is going, how's the truth going to make my life better today? How is connecting to the truth going to make my life better today? And, uh, and that was this, that's just this exploration that I've been on, um, for the past almost 10 years now, um, since I've been doing all this spiritual work and, um, and in the process of it, you know, I, I, I became initiated as a shaman and I now, hold, I now hold a space for people in ceremonies and workshops and one-to-one -one sessions. And one of the things that I find tends to happen, you know, one of the things that, I, you know, one of the gifts I have and that I tend to do in sessions is that I, I help people transmute things in their life. I help people um, reach... Um, massive transformation on things that have been present in their lives for a very long time. And the way, one of the ways that I do that is to just let the person be who they are and give them a non-judgmental and compassionate space for them to be honest with me, be honest with themselves and, and let themselves see the darkness and let it be and be with it and then allow it to unravel and then, um, see the beauty that's on the other side of that because we can't reach the light without the darkness. And so I've, I've, I've had clients say to me, wow, you know, I haven't, uh, I haven't never told anyone this or I haven't spoken about this issue in 30 years or this or that. And then after they do, it's a massive release and they tell me, oh my God, I've been in ecstasy for 10 days as a result of, 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 of sitting with this with you. And on the outside, it looks like we're just admitting something, but the reality is that we are holding darkness to the light 
that's what we're doing because it's all happening in the background. I mean, when I when I sit with people in, in a workshop context or in a session context or even just in a conversation as, as mates, um, I'm, I'm always trying to hold the highest light I can hold, the highest integrity I can hold. And as I do that and I hold that space, um, whatever dark truth wants to emerge um, finds compassion and finds love and the patterns of it can be transmuted to light and... Um, and everything can transform from there. So it's a hugely transformative process, and it's actually a spiritual practice. Um, and that's that's kind of why I wanted to talk about it today. Um, and, you know, this is a practice, this is a process that was a very big part of the mystery schools of ancient civilizations. And, you know, this whole podcast uh, is about the mystery schools of ancient civilizations and um, a modern take on those on those mystery schools. And just to, as a kind of reminder, or for those of you who, who are just jumping in for the first time today, the mystery schools of ancient civilizations are... Um, gatherings that have existed for thousands of years, potentially 10,000 years, um, in places like ancient Egypt, ancient Greece, in the Yucatan, in Mexico, all over the world. Um, and shamans and initiates would gather at sacred sites and sit together uh, in ceremony, and they would go through deep and difficult processes which would allow them to um, live a better life as a result. And in those processes, they would go through something called live resurrection, where they would, uh, in a way, conceptually die um, while their body stayed alive. They would conceptually die and come back to life with a lot more wisdom, a lot more knowledge, and a lot more intelligence. Um, and the mystery schools essentially were all about connecting us to the higher realm and, and to the cosmos. And in connecting us to the cosmos, we became higher versions of ourselves. We gained more information. We gained more abilities to um, understand ourselves and understand the world around us and the universe in much, much better ways. And so... One of the reasons why they're called mystery schools is because um, what happened there was secret and it couldn't be shared with anyone else. Uh, and they happened in secrets and no one was told about them. You had to know and you had to be allowed to go there. It wasn't for everyone and not everyone was accepted there. So there's a strong mystery element around it. But another reason why they were called the mystery schools um, and, and also, and a part of that was because they did, you know, they didn't want people to use them as a way of abusing power. But another reason why they're called mystery schools, and I think this is a bit that's really important, is that they're about unraveling the mystery of ourselves. That's the real mystery of the mystery schools. Is that the mystery schools were a place to unravel the mystery of ourselves. And that happened in a way because, you know, a person would be followed by a shaman for about two, three years. And then when they were ready, they would go to a temple site or a sacred site, you know, like the pyramids of Egypt or whatever, and spend some time there um, in ceremony, in meditation, ingesting herbs, doing some kind of breath work, sound work, whatever it was, ceremony at the time. And they would uh, go through a very, very, very intense process as a result of that, a very intense process. And throughout this process, what people really had to do is sit with their truth, sit with all the darkness and the shadows that they didn't want to see, that they didn't want to look at on a day-to-day -day basis. And as they sat with that, um, it would unravel. 
because they sat with it in a place that was connected to the highest light, sacred sites, power spots, vortex sites. They were all, you know, where all these gatherings would happen. Um, they would um, they would be connected directly to higher realms and higher um, higher fields of divine white pure light, divine energy, which would allow this darkness to be transmuted. So when we would look at our darkness in those places, it would be transmuted to the highest light and we could move on and we could come back to life as a higher, fuller expression of ourselves. And it's, um, it's powerful stuff. So another reason why it's called mystery schools is that it's about the fact that it actually doesn't have, they don't actually have any physical locations. The mystery schools were gatherings, but the mystery school is also a field. And this is, this is also really, really important. The mystery school is a field. It's a field of codes, of information, of knowledge, of energy, which exists in the universe. It's where everything comes from. It's non-local. It has no form. And you, you've heard me talk about some of these concepts in the past, the infinite versus the finite, the non-local versus the local. Well, the mystery school is essentially a field of white light, um, of information and knowledge, which is um, a field of information that we have access to, that we can draw from. But the problem is that we've all cut off our access to it um, ourselves for many reasons and in many ways because of cultural constructs. And so connecting to the mystery schools is only about removing what's standing in the way of the connection to the mystery schools and allowing us to um, draw directly from that, draw directly from that field and have access to that knowledge and that wisdom and that information all the time. And that's the work that I do with people and that's the work that I've done on myself and that's the work that I've practiced with, with, with my teachers is um, just with using many tools to awaken this field of knowledge um, that is essentially the field of eros, the field of, of my essence, that when I rest in it, I have all the answers. When I rest in it, everything just kind of happens from the highest places. Um, but anyways, going back to the topic of today, um, you know, to be able to access this site, this place, this field, this mystery school unlocking that we're talking about, is not an easy process. Um, and I always say to people, there's two ways to reach, two things to do that we need to do to reach this place. The first thing to do is to be exposed to higher energetic fields, to, to energy fields that are very developed, that are very potent, that are very advanced. And when we connect to those fields, our energy develops, our energy increases. And when our energy increases, the energy of that increase is related to our abilities to develop energetic abilities, which can allow us to develop this mystery field or the connections to this mystery school field. And it's all related to our connection to the cosmos because our energetic development is directly linked to our connection to the cosmos and the connection to the cosmos is directly linked to the connection to the mystery schools because that's what connecting to the mystery schools was all about, which is why they would learn about cosmo cosmology at um, the, the mystery school gatherings. And so, basically, you might not be picking up anything I'm putting down. You might not be really understanding anything I'm saying. Um, 
I don't think it really matters, actually, because I think that really these are very conceptual and abstract ideas. And I'm sure that for some of you, there's a deep resonance going on where you're going, oh my God, I think I know exactly what you're saying. Um, and so what would happen is when, it, and, and like I said, this is a very difficult process to, to awaken and access these mystery schools. Um, and the process would involve, like I said, you know, um, connecting to these higher realms, uh, higher, higher energetic frequencies, uh, but also unraveling ourselves, unraveling our darkness, diving into our shadows, seeing the parts of ourselves that we don't um, generally want to see. And um, that was something that not a lot of people wanted to do and not a lot of people were ready for. And to this day, it's something that not a lot of us are ready for. But I think that the science behind that is that essentially we are energy. And um, as beings of energy, we are energy fields and our, our physical body is only the densest part of that energy field. The field around us is um, much, much larger than our physical body. Um, and a lot of it we can't see, and our physical body we can see, we can measure, but it's still energy. And these um, these issues, or this darkness, or these shadows that we hold on to, and that we're not transmuting to light, you know, they're they kind of hang around in our fields as density, um, and. Um, and this density stands in the way of us radiating our full light, of us being our highest expression of ourselves. You know, between the cells of our physical body, there is a tremendous amount of light. But the more density there is, the less we're able to, uh, to experience that light. And the way that we know this is true scientifically is when you think about, like, a person who's been under a lot of trauma, if you think about someone who, who goes through a massive traumatic incident, um, very often you'll find that they're... There's a lot of density. They're tense. Their shoulders are are tense. They're, they're they might be kind of uh, hunched or, or or contracted somehow. You look at their bodies and you go, "Wow, that's contracted." Um, some people are, are, go through paralysis. You know, we we talked before about fear paralysis, um, and um, and what happens is that all these traumas or darkness or shadows they create this kind of density that's in our our bodies and our fields and our energy fields and that density is um, kind of obstructing the way or, or, or stopping us from being our, our highest self and radiating our highest light. Uh, but at the same time, as I say that, I'm reminded that it is also a gift to experience that density because that density and those experiences that exist in our field, they're the reason why we're here. We didn't come on this planet to just be beings of light and hang around and drink tea and be perfect. And, you know, the universe didn't need to create us for this. I've said this many times. The reason why I think we're here, and I, I think I've got pretty good certainty of this, the reason why we're here is because the universe needed to manifest us in physical form for the next phase of its evolution. And there are certain things that needed to be manifested into form um, so that they could be transmuted to light again for the universe to reach its highest expansion. And, and those are the things that we're here to transmute. These things can only be transmuted by us as humans in this form going through what we're going through. So as well as these traumas and shadows are you know, um, 
obstructing uh, our, our light, they're also our highest gift. And behind each one of them is, the highest, is our highest gift because they are reminding us where we need to bring our awareness. They're reminding us what our mission is. My mission on this planet is to unravel these shadows that I'm carrying, that I've been dealt with, that I've agreed to carry because that's what happened. I, I signed this contract before coming on earth that I would carry these shadows, that I would be here to transmute them and, uh, and, and I shall do that. You know, that's kind of what my mission is and that's what I'm, uh, what I'm going to do. And so when you do that, you enter into a whole different place of, of experiencing life as, as play and wonder. And it doesn't mean it, it can't be hard or sad sometimes. It just means you're not as attached to the difficulties and to the difficult moments. And for me, that's, that's the mystery schools because that's what would happen in mystery schools. When people would go through their processes, they would go through, like I said, this conceptual death and they would come back and they would realize that they had agreed to, all, to everything that they've been dealt, that this was all just a big game that they had agreed to. And that all of a sudden there's a whole new level of detachment, like watching a virtual reality game that doesn't need to make sense anymore for them. And so what, happened to, what happens is that um, unraveling these shadows and these issues and, and, and confessing our deepest truths becomes our highest work. But then obviously it's about transmuting these things to light, not just confessing them and being with them and letting them repeat and repeat and repeat, but transmuting them to light so that they don't have to return anymore, transmuting them um, to the highest order so that they don't need to um, be seen anymore. And that's when we've done our work. Um, and so that's why I always say to people, there are, there's really, it's really inevitable to, to get to the life we want to get of, of being amazing manifestors, to attracting what it is we want, to creating the life that we want, to, to being in equanimity and, and, and you know, be, really being present for others. We need, to, we need to unravel our deepest and darkest shadows. That's really what we need to do. And it was inevitable in, in the mystery schools. You know, I have this amazing story. It's one of the favorite, favorite stories I ever heard or, or experienced in my life. Um, I was visiting a temple called Oshkintok in uh, the Yucatan a few years ago. And I, um, I left uh, the temple. It was a really amazing, a really amazing temple, sacred site of the Maya. And I left the temple and I was bumped into this woman who was a Maya um, descendant. And she said to me, come with me, you know, I'll show you this, um, this uh, cave, this grotto called Kalsetok. Uh, I think, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Kalsetok, um, near Oshkintok um, in, um, in the Yucatan. And, um, I I went there with her, and obviously, you know, I knew what she um, that she wanted uh, to, me to pay her, which I had absolutely no problem with because it was an amazing, amazing experience. And she brought me through these grottos, um, which were used for these processes of resurrection um, for 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 ages. And um, she told me the story of how at the age of 12 or 13, she had been left there by her father and her uncles with sufficient amounts of food. Um, and they said to her, you know, there's a monster in these grottos. You won't be allowed to leave these grottos. We'll leave, we'll leave you here alone. And you're not allowed to leave the grottos until you've found the monster and conquered him. And she's 12 or 13 years old. And so she's sitting in the cave and she's got her food. She's got her, her water. She's got what she needs to stay alive. 
but she's just basically living in a grotto. And, um, and one day she got to the realization that the monster that was in the grotto wasn't actually a real monster. The monster was her mind, was her beliefs, was her, um, the, 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 the film that she had created in her head about who she was and all the shadows she carried with her. And she's 12 or 13 years old. I mean, this is an incredible experience to have as a 12 or 13 year old. And she told me that this experience transformed her and that this was still happening today. And I was just so happy to hear that this is still happening today. Um, so I think that this is really inevitable. I, I've spent so many times, you know, I've, I've studied with shamans um, all over the place and I've, uh, I've been through drastic energetic upgrades and information upgrades and all of that. And, and as a result of that, I've had to go through a lot, a lot, a lot of darkness that I had to sit with and unravel and face. And I can, and I continue to do that because I'm still growing and I'm still um, expanding in my work. And to do that, I have to go through the darkness. It just doesn't stop. It's just that the way you do it changes and you find peace with it. You become the eye of the storm. And, you know, a lot of people that I work with, you know, they, they do um, ayahuasca and they go to these ayahuasca ceremonies and they go to um, journeys. And uh, for those of you who don't know, ayahuasca is a, a plant medicine that is taken um, to, cre to kind of help a person journey down into an altered state. And, and, and people usually take it for a night or two nights or, or potentially a few nights in a row. Um, and they journey um, uh, to kind of to the other side, to other realms, uh, and it's very, very difficult. They, they'll tend to throw up, have strong headaches, uh, very, very difficult emotions, and they'll see very, very dark things. They'll really see their demons when this happens. Um, and a result, as a result of uh, being exposed to this, they gain a new perspective on their lives. They go to another part of their existence, which is completely different from... Um, the one that they see on a day-to-day -day basis and they get a completely different perspective and they, um, they experience a new perspective on their life that allows them to live a better life. And uh, ayahuasca is one way of doing it. Uh, the mystery schools had many ways of doing it, like this woman's grotto story is one way, breath work and sound work is another way, and that's the way that I generally work with and that I've worked with and that I found very, very beneficial. And it's something that we can do in a few minutes, obviously with a different level of impact. It's, some, it's also something that we could do over hours and hours and hours. Um, I'm actually going to be um, planning a retreat in Delphi uh, next April, which will be a, for, for Easter, which will be a, a resurrection retreat. So, um, and that's, that's going to be the, the goal of that is to really dive into this kind of resurrection mystery school type experience um, in a group, as a group together at a time of year, which is associated to resurrection. So that's the thing, these resurrections, these moments of death, birth, of coming back to our true self, they are about releasing our shadows. They are about seeing our truth and, and unraveling that and letting go of all of that so that we could be our higher self and that we could live on our, on our mission, um, connected to our deepest mission. Um, and so how do we begin to do that? Well, that's a really good question. I think, you know, for me, you know, a lot of us don't even realize how much we're hiding from ourselves and how much we're lying to ourselves. And I think that um, a way to, the first thing we have to do is to, to realize that. And once we realize that we're 
actually really lying to ourselves that we can sit there and go, okay, show me the places where I'm out of alignment. Show me the, my darkness. Show me the things that I don't want to see about myself. And you know what a great way to do that is to sit down and, and, and think about all the people around you that frustrate you, all the people around you that, that, that just rub you the right, wrong way, that trigger you. And if you write down the characteristics of those people, the things you hate about them, just write those things down. And then what you get is a list of the things that you need to look at in yourself generally. So if you look at those things, um, if you look at within you where those things exist, that's a pretty good entry point to looking at, at your shadow. But many of us don't even need to go that far. We know what it is we're hiding from ourselves. All we just need is, 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 a, is a caring, loving, compassionate container in which that darkness can appear. And that's the thing, that's all we really need is to have a caring, compassionate container in which it's safe for the darkness and the shadow to be seen, to be felt, to be held, and to be transmuted. But the problem is that so many of us don't know how to care for ourselves anymore. What we're doing is we're running at crazy paces, we're putting pressure on ourselves, we're being hard on ourselves, we're being down on ourselves, and we're surrounding ourselves with people who are down on ourselves as well. We spend so much time on social media comparing ourselves to others and finding more reasons to be hard on ourselves even more. And, you know, I mean, I, I'm hoping I'm not painting such a dark, <laughs> a dark picture of society because it's really not all that bad, but I'm just saying there are so many easy ways for us to come back to our light. And one of those ways is connecting to the things that deeply nurture you, that deeply inspire you, and knowing that those things that inspire you and that nurture you are mirrors of the inspiration and nurturing that exists within you. And when you connect to that place, you know that you have space to hold the darkness that's waiting to be held and the, waiting, the darkness that's waiting to, be appear, to, to appear and the darkness that's waiting to appear, you know, an easy way to find that is, like I said, looking at the things around you that frustrate you and that you don't like in others and thinking, okay, so perhaps this exists somewhere in me. And then finding compassion for yourself. Hey, this happened when I was four. This happened when I was six. I didn't know better. This happened in the womb when I was um, not born yet. I didn't know better. How do I know? Uh, so just releasing that, uh, allowing those things to be seen and to, to give yourself that compassion. So what I would suggest is finding some time to really create that compassionate container for yourself. Give yourself some time every day where you just say, you know, it's not even about meditating. It's not about doing practice. It's not doing this and that. It's just like, I'm going to be consciously caring of myself for this period every day. And I try to do it all day, as much as I can. Um, but I know that's not always possible for everyone because we all have different realities. But if you can, just dedicate some time to have that safe space. Making, you know, tuning in deeply to the foods that resonate with you, to the, to the people that resonate with you, making time for those people and, 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 and not needing to see people that don't necessarily resonate with your core being just because you feel obliged to. Staying away from doing things out of obligation, but doing things because they inspire you, because they fill you, because they make you want to be a better person. They help you to be a better person. And so get a lot of sleep, drink a lot of water, eat healthy foods, just eat what your heart desires, what your, what your belly really desires, not what it, it, it thinks it does because that's quick, easy, and tastes nice, or we think it tastes nice. Fresh fruits, 
and and coconut oil and plant-based proteins and organic fresh organic foods um just fill fill yourself with those things breathe deeply and deliciously and lovingly into every single area of your body and help yourself create this container of love around you and that will give you so much more space for the darkness to appear because what happens is that when we're not creating that space of love we're in contraction and we're in density and when we're in that place of of contraction we're not in a healing place we're not we're in a place that um is is a place of scarcity and it's not a place of abundance it's not a place that allows us to um to heal so you know, I always think about this example that I that I love, which is when when Leonardo da Vinci was painting the Mona Lisa. You know, he she had to sit there for a very long time. I'm not sure exactly how many days, maybe two three weeks. And he, apparently, he'd arranged for all her favorite foods, her favorite music, her favorite books, her favorite people to surround her for this time because he wanted her to be in the absolute utmost best conditions for this time period. So, I recommend that you do that for yourself for an indefinite period of time or a determined period of time where you just go, I'm going to create this container of love for myself. And another great way of doing it is through the practices that we do here. So if you feel called to this, um, stick around for this practice. It'll be about 15 minutes. But something I wanted to say about the practices is, I mean, I um, I know a lot of you tell me you get a lot out of the practices and, and you get a lot out of it. Um, and I really appreciate those comments. And if you have comments about the practices, I'd love to hear them. Um, the thing is that the practices we do in these podcasts are just 15 minutes. I mean, we're just scratching the tip of the iceberg. I, I would recommend really doing a, a practice of an hour and a half. Not necessarily every day. I know nobody has time for that. But maybe once a week, once a month, carving out some time to do a practice for a longer time. Because otherwise we're just working at the tip of the iceberg. And um, so just so you know, there are ways of going a lot, lot deeper. And there are workshops on my website which go deeper with maybe 30-minute practices. Um, I'm going to start publishing practices soon that are an hour and a half, two hours, that will really let you go deeper, deeper, deeper. Um, so, yeah, so that's what I really recommend doing. Um, so before I move on to the practice, I wanted to share some exciting news with you guys. Um, I've This is season two of the Sacred Vortex Mystery School podcast. Season one was last year, and it was called The Path to the Divine Self. And I'm going to be starting season three soon. So the format of this podcast, as it is now, will change. Um, it'll still be on the new moon. It'll still be on the full moon. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to keep the same name or not still. I'm still debating that. But the format is going to change in the way that rather than me talking about whatever topic I think is relevant and interesting and that I think you'll get a lot out of, I'm going to be answering questions. I'm going to be answering questions because I've realized, you know, I work a lot with clients and, and I meet a lot of exciting people in workshops and on a day-to-day -day basis. And people are always asking me questions and, and coming to me for, for advice. And I've come to realize that a lot of the questions um, repeat themselves. And I started to think, well, maybe I should just answer those questions that, that a lot of people are asking um, in a more public way. That way it would get more reach and then more people who... Um, 
more people who are looking for similar answers can have access to the information. So the new format is going to be continue to be twice a month, new moon and full moon. You'll get the notifications as you get them now. There'll be the same amount of time with a practice. The only difference is that I'll be answering questions from people. And I've got loads of questions already lined up to answer, but another thing I'd like to propose is if you have questions, email me. Email me at m at markparadis.com. Um, you can find that email address in the um, body of this podcast description or in the email if you receive this by email, um, m at m-a-r-c-p-e-r-i-d-i-s uh, dot com. And write me anything you'd like to know. Any questions, uh, any advice, any, any, any questions about the content we've seen here. And, uh, and we'll take it deeper and further that way. And we'll be delivering content that'll be, I think, really beneficial and impactful for people. Um, and the other option is to say to me, hey, I'd like to give you a call. Because what I'd love to do is answer the questions live with you and record it so that for everybody to, to listen in. Um, and so if you've got a series of questions or if you've got a question and you'd like to have a conversation about it for about 20 minutes time, just write that to me in an email and we'll set up a call and we'll record it for others to, to benefit from it as well. Or just write me an email with the questions that you have and we'll, um, we'll get that content out there. So I'm really excited about this new format. I'm really excited to see what that's going to bring and how that's going to look like and the impact that it's going to have. Um, and again, I'm always open for feedback. I'd really love to hear what you think of what you've heard so far and what, um, what you'd like to see more of, less of, and all of that. All right. So let's move on with the practice for today. It's going to last about 10, 15 minutes. And I know, like I said, a lot of you are potentially driving or um, eating or, 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 or chopping vegetables or whatever you're doing, walking the dog. Um, and if that's the case, that's fine. You can still stay connected to the practice and just absorb, you know, feel the energy of it. Um, all right, so let's dive in. All right, so if you're able to, I'd like to recommend that you find a place where you can lie down. But if you can't, seated is fine as well. So just closing your eyes if you can. And just beginning to go deep within yourself. Beginning by connecting to the part of your body that's connecting to the earth. If you are lying down, that's the whole back line of your body, from the back of the head to the back of the ankles. So just noticing the support of the earth on your body. And another thing I like to do to drop in to my body into the earth is putting my hands underneath my belly and just connecting to the center part of my body. So there's an invitation to do that as well. And from that place, just knowing that for this time we've got together, we are creating one field of energy which is connected. Information is being shared in ways we don't even understand. Just 
just taking a moment to scan your physical body from the top of the head to the ankles, to the tips of the toes, slowly, slowly, slowly. scanning the physical body. Notice how it feels to give some awareness to your body, to connect to it, when so much of the time we're just in our heads. And just sending a wash of a wash of breath of awareness across the physical body with a exhale, light exhale, light long exhale with the mouth closed. Just washing that awareness across the entire physical body, flooding it around. Now what I'd like you to do is notice which part of the body feels more open, more relaxed, more at peace, and potentially putting one hand there. For me, it's over my heart. I feel quite light and peaceful. And just breathing that long, soft exhale the mouth closed on that part of the body. I'm just noticing that exhale filling that part of the body and spreading out from that part of the body throughout and across other parts of the body. And just stopping for a moment and just feeling the resonance of that in the body, feeling the tingles that you might be feeling 
light contractions you might be feeling. I'd like to invite you to just wiggle gently your fingers and toes, triggering tiny little ripples across the body. And perhaps breathing once again with a soft, long exhale in that area where your hand is. Soft exhale with the mouth closed, soft and long. Just once again looking at stopping for a moment and noticing your physical body, how it is, how it feels, the stillness of the present moment. Gently wiggling the fingers and toes triggering little ripples again through the body. And now bringing that same hand to another part of the body that might not be feeling as open, that maybe is feeling more contracted, more dense. I'm bringing my left hand over my right shoulder by the neck bone. And then just bring a hum this time into that part of the body underneath the hand. So just humming lightly like a that hand there and placing the other hand that you have free on the back of the neck and when you hum just really feeling the vibrations of that into the hand rippling through the arm into the whole physical body 
lying there in an open space of stillness again just noticing how the body feels now and going back to the hum the soft hum again for a moment and noticing what you feel in the body. I feel some tingling in the back of my ankles, in the back of my knees, up the whole backs of my legs. And when you feel that tingling, just wiggle the toes a bit more and try to trigger and amplify that slight ripple effect. Just notice that move through the body. Perhaps you start to find a small, slight spiraling movement in the pelvic area, in the hips, which I'm starting to find now, spiraling the pelvic area, spiraling the spine. just layering that hum now with that exhale that we were doing before, the long light exhale with the mouth closed. Just noticing what happens when you drop into an open space of awareness. Perhaps the slight movement in the hips and the pelvis has increased and spread across the entire spine, like a spiral movement. Perhaps 
you have more tingling in the toes and you're now spinning your feet or rocking your legs side to side or perhaps you're just lying back and noticing how different the body feels now than it did at the beginning And for just about one more minute, we're just going to continue with more alternating between the slight exhale and the humming. one last time just tuning in to an open space to the stillness of the moment to the potency of the emptiness of the now the empty space around you feeding your field nurturing your being and you can choose to lie here in this state of receptivity for as long as you like, or you could stop here and join me next time on the next full moon. Thank you very much. Enlakesh Alakin. Namaste.